0: Welcome to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time, where we aim to break down barriers, demystify blindness, and promote real and lasting change. Join host David Steinmetz as he connects us with professionals who are making a positive impact in the community. These leaders help empower individuals who are blind or have other disabilities to live a full and inclusive life. Let's lean in as David kicks off today's conversation.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time. I'm really excited to have our guest on today. We'll be focusing on uh, leadership, leadership skills, and how we as uh, organizations can help people who are blind live a full and inclusive life. The show is really about demystifying blindness. It's very interesting that as I continue to do this show and do more research and connect with more people how interesting it is to learn that really you know the barriers that are in place whether it's attitudinal or just the, the fact that perception uh, people put expectations on somebody with a disability because they right they're labeling that person as disabled so there's some form of expectation that they're going to be able not to or be able to perform certain tasks you know, connecting with these great professionals in the industry um, across the nation that are working to change those perceptions and help build an inclusive workforce and helping people who are blind live a full and inclusive life. I'm really excited today to have my guest, uh, Sylvia Stenson-Perez from the American Foundation for the Blind. She is the chief program officer. And, you know, Sylvia, uh, thank you, Juan, for being here. You have quite the bio here as I was working with you and collecting information and talking that you have, what, over 25 years in the blindness industry? Is that right?
2: It, well, David, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. It's such a pleasure. I have really spent my entire career, more or less, in the blindness field trying to make a positive impact in the lives of people who are blind like myself.
1: Fantastic. right? Yeah, we're talking about leadership. You were the CEO at uh, Lighthouse for the Visually Impaired and Blind in Port Ritchie, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also worked at the NRTC, the National Research Training Center at Mississi- Mississippi State University. Just quite the impressive uh, work background and working with older blind and other cert- certificate programs. Is that correct? Uh,
2: that's correct. So I've worked with individuals who are blind themselves of all ages, as well as professionals working with people who are blind and low vision.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. The American Foundation for the Blind, uh, th- your mission is to really kind of remove barriers to, uh, that, are, that typically get, come in the way of people who are blind and vision impaired. Sorry about that. So really is to do research, create programs, and provide information and advocate for people who are blind. Is that correct?
2: Yes. To create a world of no limits for people who no. are blind.
1: Yeah, I love that. No limits. That, that's <laughs> fantastic. So I'm really excited to, to have you here. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. You have a lot of leadership experience uh, being the CEO of an organization, nonprofit, leading different teams at uh, with Mississippi State University working with different uh, professionals and individuals, what would you say are some of the key elements that that you would say is in terms of leadership?
2: Well, I think I would start by saying that leadership is not a position. Mm-hmm. Leadership is a role. Any of us could have a leadership role at any time, whether it be in volunteering, um, in your community, in your family. There are so many opportunities to lead. And so I think that's an important thing to say is leadership is not necessarily a title, Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes not a title. And so starting with that, I think is a really important thing, understanding that it's a role you, you play. If you can inspire a dream, a mission, a passion, and help people move towards that, you are
1: a leader. Yeah, that's that's a great way to define that. Right, because we always think of leadership as as whether it's the CEO or some mm-hmm. some form of res- overall responsibility. But really, you can have leaders at all levels, right? And your mm-hmm. your peers can be a leader to you that help you achieve a goal or an mm-hmm. aspiration that you're you're trying to do.
2: Correct.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you. AFB has. Some leadership programs, mm-hmm. um, and can you share a little bit about the programs, the leadership programs at AFB, and who would be eligible for those programs?
2: Sure. So the AFB Blind Leaders Program is a program that was started about two and a half years ago. It this is a uh, leadership program with an emphasis on also the blindness piece. So there are tons of leadership programs out there. We can find leadership programs all day. We can find leadership books all over the place. But how do you do that? How do you do this leadership thing as a person who is blind? That brings its own unique challenges. And so our AFB Blind Leaders Program tries to incorporate leadership content along with figuring out and providing some specific strategies about how to incorporate the leadership principles and how to navigate the leadership journey as someone who's blind or has low vision. Um, Who is eligible? Our target audience are people who are mid-level career, but we also um, sometimes accept people in their early part of their career if they're a little bit further along the leadership journey in their employment. So we want to help people achieve upward mobility. And that's what our real goal is, is helping people achieve upward mobility. Now, I think I should also add that I guess our primary audience would be people who are employed, but we're also looking at things like getting involved in your community as well. So an outcome for us is not just employment upward mobility, or career advancement. It's also that piece of becoming a leader in your community, whether it be you become an advocate, you become involved in the consumer group like ACB or NFB or um, National Organization of Albinism or Blinded Veterans, whatever it may be, in there, or maybe it's getting involved in your community and volunteering on civic organization, on a board etc. So it really is about developing the skills, the competencies, and the confidence to become a leader within your community and your employment as a person who is blind.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. well, I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I mean, a lot of times uh, I'm having conversations with my peers at work and they're trying to find a pathway to upper for upper mobility and Uh how do I get that experience and those opportunities and I often will tell them there's a lot of things you can do outside of work um, as you were saying right for leadership opportunities with whether it's a civic organization like the Lions Club or your your place of worship or wherever Uh it may be uh, different clubs things that you can get involved with to gain those skills. And then as you uh, apply for these other positions uh, for work, you already have some of those skills, things that are needed, whether it's, you know, leadership and helping guide people, whether, you know, um, or lead business meeting or whatever it happens to be um, to Mm -hmm. gain those skills. So um, I appreciate you saying that because those conversations we have internally inside the four walls at Arizona Industries for the Blind, but great Mm -hmm. to hear them being echoed outside.
2: And I would say that the, one of the things that the program, the, the AFE leadership program, has really provided people or enabled people to develop—that's probably—we haven't provided this. We've enabled people mm-hmm. to develop this. Is confidence uh, over and over? I hear people who participated and who are participating say, "I feel more confident in myself." Mm. Yes. And you can only develop that confidence in all honesty by developing your blindness skills by getting out of your comfort zone and doing things that that push your level your your skill level that push you to utilize the leadership skills that push you to utilize the blindness skills, etc. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's because it's very easy to stay where you are yeah. where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I uh, agree, the more you challenge yourself to put yourself out there, you gain some success, you feel better about that, and you know that I think is true for, for any person depend mm-hmm. not, not just disabled people or people who are blind, but for, right for anybody, as you grow personally and professionally, the more that you do, uh, the more confidence you gain, the more confidence you gain, the more likely you're going to seek more opportunity.
2: And I think it's a, it's a particularly challenging thing for people who are blind. And I know I've had several conversations with people about this of that you know to build your confidence is the only way to do that is to get out of your comfort zone and push your push your limits and push your skills and you know, when I say you, you know, develop self-confidence, people are like, how do I do that? I need a very specific roadmap Mm. to do that. How do I get out of my comfort zone? And I think that there's some very specific things people can do. And I mean, I can give you so many examples. And as a person who's blind, I, I, it's scary, right? To go and do something new with a group of people you don't know. And Um, I'll tell you a a story that literally just happened to me yesterday. I'm fairly new to the town I live in, which is the town I grew up in, but only I I haven't lived here as an adult until the past year or so. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's important to be involved in my community. and I do have a volunteer thing that I do in a resource center. And there's a group of people who there I've gotten to know, some of whom are family members. So that made it a little easier. But I joined a local civic organization. A friend invited me to go. Well, this friend, and I've only been twice, well, now three times. This friend texted me yesterday and said, hey, I can't go today. Can you just get dropped off? I'm going to tell you, David, that inside, I was like, I don't mm-hmm. want to go. Maybe I'll just not go this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just skip this time because it's a room full of people I don't know. I've mm-hmm. met them now, you know, one time, but I don't know them. I don't know this space. It's all new. And, and I have no functional vision. So it's like scary, right? right? And so I said, you know what? I am always telling people to get out of their comfort zone. <laughs> I cannot now be the one who just doesn't go because I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. and uh, and I went right, and it was just fine. It mm-hmm. was just fi- everyone super nice, super friendly, super you know helpful. No one's like getting in my space, you know. And, and so they're all like, "Oh, we we." you got this. So, uh, but helpful enough. And I could have missed out on that opportunity yesterday. And those kinds of things happen to us all the time. So I say, get outside of the comfortable kinds of things and do something that does. Um, you know, several years ago, I joined a Toastmasters group, a public speaking Toastmasters group. I knew one person in a group of like 40-something people, Mm -hmm. and I just knew that person. We weren't like friends or anything, So, and I became super good friends and very involved in that group um, over the three years I was there. So, and, but what, what I'll tell you too, David, and I'm just going on and on here. <laughs> no,
1: you're fine. I, well, I, I, everything you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm nodding my head going, yep, 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 uh, yep.
2: <laughs> But the, the one other thing before I, before I stop talking, uh, is to say, not only am I developing my confidence, you know, what else is happening? The people, the, the sighted people in all of those worlds that, you know, where we're stepping in out of our comfort zone. When we express that, when we get out there and we act more confident and we show them that people who are blind have skills, have capabilities, have normal conversations about everyday things, are interested in our communities, guess what? Then Mm -hmm. that gives them a whole new, if they had any kind of biases, negative impressions about blindness, now they're like, oh, maybe I need to rethink that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's really, you know, the, the premise of my show and is, right, is to change that perception of blindness one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, a uh, community public relations manager, I often, you know, I'm out in the community connecting with networking groups, different business mm-hmm. groups, uh, going to different events and have those same internal dialogues, right, of
2: mm-hmm.
1: what the environment can be like. How am I going to meet, walk, you know, walk up and introduce myself? All these, those dialogues go on inside our heads every day. And so, you know,
2: David, though, I had an epiphany this year that we, as people who are blind, we always think that that's just going on for mm -hmm, us. mm -hmm. And a lot of sighted people are thinking that too. They're, they're nervous about that new situation themselves.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. That's, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's not, Always just a blindness issue, right? We all have the same uh, emotional, physical experiences to change, and mm-hmm. or getting out of your comfort zone and and doing those things. So I, I totally agree. Uh, it's not necessarily a blindness thing or dis- disability thing. It's it's building upon your successes as an individual, mm-hmm. uh, and and being able to get out and share what you know, share your experiences um, with others. And that's how um, other people learn um, that, you know, you don't have to yell and scream because I'm blind, right? Or uh-huh. that, you know, I'm just a normal guy, you know, out here doing the same things that they're doing. I just, you know, use a different mobility tool than a car. I, you know, use Uber uh-huh. and my guide dog or cane or whatever it may be. So, it's always pushing yes. ourselves and, and bringing it back to, to leadership and, and. Um, as an individual in those experiences we're helping others gain some knowledge that they can use that tool to go to maybe somebody else or have an experience that um, an applicant uh, walks into their door there's maybe a little bit less concern maybe um, about having somebody who is blind working in their organization and so I think these opportunities for various different leadership programs is is important and you know maybe you can share what what you have learned about leadership through the blindest leader program
2: i guess the the major things i have learned are that that leadership and learning go hand in hand mm-hmm. <laughs> It, if we enter a role of leadership and think we know everything and there's nothing new for us to learn, that we are the leader and what we what we think and say is the end all, mm-hmm. I think that is a challenge. So being willing to work together, um, recognize other people's strengths, really build up and encourage people, listen to people plan, um, all of those things. I think there's there's so many things, but I think the, the major thing I would say that I have o- over the many years that I've been in leadership roles, which interestingly has been the majority of my career, I have been in, in a leadership managerial role. Mm-hmm. And it has been a c- constant, um, I've had a constant need to be learning. Um, In fact, I, after my first round of college and getting my first professional job, I ended up going back to get two additional degrees because I knew there was much more that I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And I'm always reading, but I also am always working with mentors, whether they be formal or informal mentors. And I I cannot say enough about the importance of having mentors in your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our AFB Blind Leaders Program incorporates the use of a formal mentor program. Also recognizing that you don't have one mentor in your life or even maybe at a time. You can have multiple mentors, not even just for your career, by the way, but the mentoring is really important and I, I mentor a lot of people, but I still also count on my mentors. Mm -hmm. They play a key role in my life because it's all about learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It it helps. I think, you know, obviously there's, there's a sounding board,
3: Mm -hmm. um, but
1: there's the sharing of an experience Mm -hmm. and that, that learning. And I, I think when people get into a position of responsibility and they think that as a leader, um, they have to know everything. And Mm -hmm. I think it's hard. Oftentimes, I I see that for someone to say, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. it's okay to not know, right? Uh, It is. Because if, if you don't open yourself up to those experiences, then you don't grow. Your team doesn't grow. And uh, I think feels that, you know the organization doesn't grow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Seems very kind of more static.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess the the other thing I would say about leadership is you have to be super adaptable and ready for change at any time mm-hmm. because change is always occurring. Um, being comfortable with change is is so important. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I agree. That really important. So we've mentioned a couple uh, things about skills and and mm-hmm. uh, for for leaders and and being able to listen, plan, uh, organize things like you're mentioning. As your students go through the leadership program, what gaps are you seeing as they're coming in and that really need to be filled um, with through your leadership program?
2: So. A couple things that we see are, I think, technology. You know, we talk Mm. about technology, you know, we've, for for many years, we've been hearing technology is the great equalizer, Mm -hmm. but it's also the great uh, annoyance too (laughs) (laughs) when it doesn't work, which is often, and, you know, AFB is really um, committed to and focused on digital inclusion as a major effort Mm. in our programs and in our research and policy and public policy these days. Uh, because we recognize that it is a huge barrier to creating a world with no, of no limits for people who are blind. So digital inclusion. And so one of the gaps that I see, and I don't want to say lack of technology skills because that's not it. It's not enough just to be a good screen reader or magnification user or a good um, Braille and a Braille note taker user but you've got to know how to use all of the professional tools like the calendar and mm-hmm. project management and you know, all of these tools mm-hmm. that are part of Excel. <laughs> you've got to know how to read a spreadsheet hmm. for any leadership position. So having those kind of skills um, is really important. And I think The only way you develop those skills is to use, use, use those. You got to be practicing all the time. I mean, I know for me, I always every single year, probably for years and years, I've always had, okay, this year, I'm going to learn this piece of technology or this software, this Mm -hmm. program whatever it is. And and I'm and David I'm not going to say that I am like this exceptional technology person. Mm-hmm. I am pretty mediocre. But <laughs> I'm a good problem solver. I can google something and right. find an answer <laughs> or call somebody and and so right. co- being comfortable with that I think is really important. Um another thing that um in, I guess in some ways surprises me is the lack of comfort with with travel, um, whether Mm -hmm. that be in your community or um, leaving your community to fly, stay in a hotel, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Not, um, you know, a good number of our participants have been, but we've had more than I thought who aren't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And they're nervous about getting out of their comfort zone uh, with orientation and mobility. Mm -hmm. And again, and then when you don't have those skills that leads to poor confidence that so it, and and you need to be able to have those good skills for for both technology and for orientation and mobility become a good networker and we mm-hmm. all know it's an old saying but there's still a lot of truth to it is you get you get jobs you get promotion by who you know and mm-hmm. so networking mm-hmm. still is important even though more and more, you know, you get jobs on LinkedIn. That's the new, like, number one way. Right. But there is still a lot of value to networking.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, as as individuals who are uh, people who are blind, who are coming into the program, you know, they're maybe lacking these skills, do you think it's coming from opportunities? Is it coming from uh, maybe those, those gaps from the vocation rehabilitation program that they haven't been through it, or it's been so long since they've been through it. Um, and, and where do you think that how can these individuals who, uh, are facing these, these challenges about travel or technology, uh, work through those, those issues?
2: So in regards to what, why all of the above, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't believe that people have access to the level of training that that we used to have, per se. Okay. But technology is constantly changing, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to keep up. We don't like new things. Nobody likes new things, whether you can see or not. But mm-hmm. I, I don't. I mean, it's hard to learn new technology. And I'm going to be honest. There are some technology I go that is too hard. I'm just not going there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then the, the access to training is much, I think that that is much more reduced than it used to be. There's just not the access to training and the length of time that you can access training that you used to. And, you know, the, if you think about um, kids in school working with their teacher, of the visually impaired, they have very few hours with their students, and so they are probably mm-hmm. having to spend a significant amount of time working on more core core curriculum stuff than that. It, oh, my gosh, I, the words left me now what it's <laughs> called, the, the expanded core right, curriculum. Right. They're right. not getting time to work on expanded core curriculum. The vocational rehabilitation system, although it talks about Career advancement now. There's still a desire for and a desire by people to get, get go back to work if those jobs stay in those jobs. And so, when you have that, it doesn't really allow for people to really develop the, the technology skills or the orientation and mobility skills because people are just trying to survive. So, in many ways, rehabilitation has to be self-driven. Very much so. And, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of that, that, you know, we, we can, um, I like, I had 10 hours of orientation, mobility skills training Mm -hmm. many years ago. Then it was up to me to get out and practice those skills. And the more I practice those skills, the better, um, traveler I became the same. When you get a guide dog, you're there for three weeks. Um, and they say, well, you, you finished your official training, but right. when you go home every day, you need to work with your dog on training. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, with Braille, when I learned Braille, uh, you know, I had a, a, a few lessons, but I'm only a great Braille reader because I read Braille every day.
1: What is it saying? If you don't use it, you lose it?
2: You lose it. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we've got to gotta be self-driven in developing our skills. And a lot of that is about getting out of our comfort zone as mm-hmm. well, taking the time to learn. Just, and, and I think really setting up a plan for yourself mm-hmm. every year of, this is these are the skills I'm going to work on, these are the technologies I'm going to learn, mm-hmm. et cetera.
1: That goes for every aspect, right? And whether it's mm-hmm. in your personal life or professional career, mm-hmm. we have been talking about and, and saying, well, I'd like to be in a role of leadership. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to be a a supervisor or whatever it may be, you know, in in terms of a position is what is it that you're doing for yourself to put yourself in the position to be ready for those opportunities, taking a self-assessment of where your, your strengths are, uh, where your weaknesses are and focus on those things and, and make a plan to, to do that. Because I think oftentimes people look at, Either a job description or they see somebody else in that position mm-hmm. and say, oh, I can do that, right? They're sitting at mm-hmm. a computer all day and doing XYZ, whatever it is they're doing, or have their feet up on the desk. As people think that's what the role of a leader is, right? I uh, uh, <laughs> do wish
2: were that. <laughs> they don't do the real work.
1: But, you know, is, is having a, a good sense of understanding of what the expectations are of okay. that position. And we're kind of doing that self-valuation and then working to get the skills that you need to be successful in that position.
2: Mm -hmm. I would also add to that is sometimes we look at positions and go, oh, I don't have that. We keep ourselves, especially I think as people with disabilities, you keep yourselves from applying for something because you don't have every single one of the criteria listed Mm -hmm. or the experience Mm -hmm. listed. And sometimes you just got to go for it and right. learn there, learn on the job because that, right. is, that is very common. So yeah, knowing sure. that.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're not mm-hmm. going to be an exact match for every job description. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be things on there that, and as a pe- person who is blind myself, right, I've had to overcome a lot of problems and find ways, solutions to those mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. And so, if you look at a job description or a position and say, "Well, I don't have that," but you know, I tell when I tell my story is when I walk into a, a job interview and somebody has that sense that uh, this person's not not capable of doing the job, and I'll give examples of how I was able to overcome mm-hmm. this challenge, um, or you know, break out a piece of technology to show them this is how I would solve this problem. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it's really about matching what you have and and how you can. If it's, uh, I see all the time, uh, you must have a valid driver's license, but there's no driving involved in in, mm-hmm. in the job. right? Well, I can still travel uh, independently,
3: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> uh, and this is how I would do it. And I've overcome that that challenge. Don't don't let that stop you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's having the, mm-hmm. that mindset to to really focus on. Your abilities and your, you know, all the other skills um, that you've gained over your journey through, uh, you know, through life, really.
2: hmm Absolutely. Yeah, you
1: know, I'm thinking about um, you know leadership and um, the work that AFB does. Right, they do a lot. Of, you mentioned a lot of research, a lot of training, a lot of edu- in areas on inclusion, education, employment, just. Various different topics, and you know, whether it was how students who are blind, visually impaired, during COVID, and access to technology, I, I've seen studies that put out by mm-hmm. AFB on th- on topics like that. What are some of the trends or barriers are you seeing for people who are blind, visually impaired? You know, let's talk about employment and think. You know, other trends that you're seeing through that research that is contributing to, you know, the high unemployment rate uh, uh, among people who are blind vision impaired?
2: Digital inclusion is definitely an issue. And that is something that, as I said, AFB is very focused on with the research and with, uh, we have a, a program to train apprentices and interns on inc- creating inclusive platforms and apps from the ground up. So. Um, not just fixing them, but creating them as well. Look if mm-hmm. they can fix them too. But I find more and more, David, and I don't know how you how you feel about this, but I tell you, every time I go out on the internet and I Google something, I find more and more inaccessible sites, <laughs> and they might be quote accessible, but they're mm-hmm. not usable. Right. And I think that's a big thing. Is now you know people. They comply with accessibility mm-hmm. standards, mm-hmm. but that compliance is not equally usability. And so, um, and then there's a lot of things you just applying for a job, some of the things that you're needed that you must do for like the HR platforms for pay, you know, just to even submit your timesheet or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. monitor your pay and vacation time, et cetera. So many of those platforms, the financial management platforms that are needed to be used are keeping people from doing a lot of different jobs. But the big one is not even being able to access the application. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, a lot of my uh, uh, shows have been focused on that accessibility. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from the hiring process, um, mm-hmm. the recruitment, um, mm-hmm. the retainment, the training, right? All those things in terms of yeah. on, you know, onboarding an employee and having that access. And I, I do hear that echoed here in, in Arizona and some of the consumer groups and advocacy groups that I work with mm-hmm. is that is typically the biggest gap and how do we overcome that? Uh, before I came down to the studio today, I had an update on my phone, and so it ran. And so now it's like, okay, now I have to get used to where things are. Yeah. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn, for example. All of a sudden now yeah. the button that used to be there to, to comment or share uh, content is now there's no button. Now you're doing you know, a different gesture to access that same thing.
2: Um, So I should not update that app then (laughs) until the last minute possible. That's right.
1: That's right. Right. It's a constant learning, uh, constant challenge and learn how, you know, uh, these platforms are changing and and you Mm. have to stay up on it and you want to participate in it, then you have to learn how to use it. So it's very interesting how quickly technology does change how we as a community disabled community can uh, collaboratively work on this issue to ensure that those that are producing the applications or the content and so forth is is accessible to mm-hmm. people with all disabilities
2: and not just accessible but usable, usable. Yeah. as well right. i think that is a really important thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: i mean if if i can access it and it's going to take me two hours to do something that's going to take someone who can see five minutes to do, you know, is that inclusive? I don't think so.
1: Mm-hmm. No, very true. Sorry, I taken a sip of water there. Okay. So as a person who is blind, as a person who has been in the, the blindness um, field for uh, your entire career, and I, I know that you've, uh, and heard and maybe even experienced some, some challenges when you've gone out to apply for a job and you're going through the interview process. I would like to get kind of your thoughts on what you would recommend or say to a hiring manager during an interview or even to maybe enlighten them or help them understand blindness and see the abilities in the candidate sitting across the table from them.
2: Well, David, I think you're, you're, you shared some really smart ideas a few minutes ago when you were talking about some things you've done and being able to explain, to tell a story, to describe how you specifically would do a job, what technology you use or would use. I think all of those things are what is needed to help that person realize that you can do the job. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think that we often think that, that people who can see don't experience this either. And I've hired a lot of people before, too. That is like the number one thing you're thinking when you're hiring anyone, whether they can see or not, is can this person do the job? And you're just trying to ask the questions that will determine if they can actually do the job. So as a person who, you know, who's blind or low vision, being able to, to very specifically describe how you would do the job, not just as a, as a person who's blind, but how you would do a job, period.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, including, that you know, incorporating the the problem solving skills is really a great thing. And you know, you haven't asked me about, you know, disclosure of vision loss.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I think that, well, for me, <laughs> I don't need to disclose because it'll be obvious because right. I'm a cane or a guide dog user. Mm-hmm. But I was always super nervous about that. And and I I, you know, I don't that was only when I was starting to look for a job. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it's so funny as I remember when I first went for my very first job interview in high school, hmm. I didn't own to them that I couldn't see, but it was probably pretty obvious because <laughs> I was like <laughs> looking for the door and realized they were just looking out the window at me because the minute I opened the door, they're all like three people are standing it, right you. there. <laughs> but I don't think that I ever even talked about the whole, I, w- I got that job, mm-hmm. but... I'm not sure why. <laughs> but I was a teenager; they were giving me a chance. But I think that we do have to talk about that, and we have to talk about um, how we'll do the job. And I think that has probably become—I don't want to say an easier thing—but with the whole disability equity, inclusion, accessibility mm-hmm. movement, mm-hmm. I'd like to think it's become that that there's an opportunity for us to actually feel more confident more comfortable about talking about disability and sure. how we'll do a job
1: yeah I I agree I think I think more and more organizations realizing the benefit of mm-hmm. having a diverse workforce uh, including all people in their organizations mm-hmm. and uh, making sure that technology is accessible and usable I, I can learn something new. <laughs> um, and so I think it definitely does. And, and do you think that when we talked about technology and, and the way that the workforce and the, what the workplace looks like nowadays, that that is also an advantage to uh, people with disabilities is remote work?
2: I think remote work has, has advantages, but it also actually has some disadvantages because now, if you work remotely, it is 100% reliant on technology. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have, honestly, stellar technology skills or super accessible, usable platforms that you're working on, you're at the same disadvantage. Mm. So there are some great advantages. Um, I think the biggest advantage to remote work, in all honesty, is, well, number one, it's about the transportation. So you've got to still have the skills to do the job, but now you don't have to figure out the transportation piece. Mm-hmm. And also, the, the and this kind of goes along with the transportation piece. If you can work remotely, you don't have to move to a whole new city mm-hmm. and learn that whole system. and. Sure. And uh, so, so that's where I think the advantage is is not necessarily about the technology; it's about the the transportation and the ability to mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. where you want to live.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think technology is not functional for someone who is blind or someone mm-hmm. with a disability. It doesn't matter whether you're sitting in an office building mm-hmm. or at, at, in your living room. Problem is still the problem.
2: And and I've already heard of many incidents where Hmm. that has actually happened where people thought this is the answer I'm going to get this job because it's Mm -hmm. remote and then they discover oh the technology isn't going to allow me
1: to do it. Interesting I I hadn't really given it that thought from that side of things Um, I Uh definitely you know see that the advantages of the transportation advantage Uh um, you know Not spending four hours commuting back and forth to work or whatever it may be on public or you know other services, more focused on time and effort in in your job and the frustrations of traveling. But yeah, I really didn't think of it from a from a perspective of technology and and how right the there's lots of platforms that you can meet people with and do, you know, hold meetings and all those things. But if the application needs to do your job doesn't allow that, then you can't do your job. I want to ask, uh, just to kind of wrap up here as we uh, get close to wrapping up here, the thing—it's what other type of programs um, are going on at AFB right now?
2: Well, we have research, our, our public policy and research is going on and they're doing lots of research around um, and public policy around digital inclusion. And um, we have another program, as I mentioned, called the Talent Lab, and that's a program for interns, um, college interns, and apprentices in really learning about accessible digital inclusion and building that from the ground up. And then, of course, the Blind Leaders Program. Mm -hmm. We have our Helen Keller archives on the website at afb.org. And the, of course, our our professional journal, the Journal of Visual Impairment and Blindness, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll have plenty more things coming up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's quite a bit right there, fantastic. <laughs> and those resources are, are available to everyone. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. just a I think anybody that visits and reads those inf- mm-hmm. those articles can gain new insights and learn. It's not just a blindness, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people for just for people who are blind, right? It's for the community. And access mm-hmm. to learn about mm-hmm. uh, blindness, great resource uh, for the business community as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Sylvia. Um, how would people um, who are are listening to our show today, how would they be able to contact you?
2: I believe the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn, Sylvia Stinson Perez. S t i n s o n hyphen Perez. P e r e z. Or by email, I'll give you the easy one is s Perez, S-P-E-R-E-Z, at AFB.org.
1: Fantastic. And and thank you so much for sharing your insights today uh, about the Blind Leaders Program at AFB um, and your your experiences. Um, I really do appreciate your time. And I'd also like to thank Arizona Industries for the Blind, an organization that is dedicated to empowering people who are blind or vision impaired, to achieve their highest goals and aspirations through dignified employment. And uh, it is my hopes that uh, through this show that the business community at large will understand that with the right training, the right technology, and the right attitude, people who are blind can compete and are successful in the workplace. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Changing the Perception of Blindness, One Conversation at a Time with your host, David Steinmetz. Be sure to subscribe to changing the perception of blindness one conversation at a time on your favorite podcast platform and tune in live on Phoenix Business Radio X every third Friday at 1pm. We hope you feel inspired by today's conversation and maybe we've even sparked a new idea or opportunity.